Hello and welcome back to Babbling Brooks's. We are your hosts, I'm Charlie. And I'm Sonny. And today we are reviewing Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Yes. Now, we chose this one mainly because the last one was about Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Yeah. And um, as said in that episode, as much as it's heavily implied that it was a prequel to the first five Transformers films by director Michael Bay... It's the start of a new franchise. I reckon it's we reckon it's the start of a new timeline, a new um, reboot, as such, uh, yeah. as such, 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 such. Great start, great start. <laughs> I'm already mispronouncing words, uh. but um, yeah, we we saw that we um, saw this in the cinema, and we and we thought let's do a review on this when we can. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be good to get this one over and done with as our next one because not only was it is it technically a sequel to the last episode, film we've done on the podcast mm. but it did just come out on digital so so you, you, you can lot, you, you lot can watch it you lot can watch it as such this review will be spoiler filled so if you haven't seen it yet watch it because you can now watch it on digital it released on digital 9th, 11th of july so how long ago was that that was Five days ago, yeah. as the as time of recording this episode. Yes. Or, if you don't care about it, anything, and you just yeah. want to hear us talk shit, just, you know, you can still listen. Whenever I eat gingerbread, man, I, I always just feel like there's something left in my throat, and it just interrupts me mid-speaking, and I hate it. I just have to, like, cough it. <coughs> I just have to keep coughing it down. Oh, my God. Well, this it. is what happens when you eat gingerbread before we I want, start I'm, an episode. I need energy. You don't need... I see you looking at that jar. I'm not going to it. I've already had one. I've had Good. two today. Good. Oh, as yeah. So th- that's why we've chosen Rise of the Beasts as this episode, the, f- the subject of this episode. Um, I don't know how long it's been since the last one. I won't lie. Um, I know we said we'd probably do it weekly, but um, we have been busy. I went to Clacton for the week with um, a few friends. Oh yeah. Shout out Ben Burgess. Michael Galvin, Reese Galvin, Sam Fessy, and Ollie Lee. You boys fucking love you. Mm. We enjoyed ourselves. We did really enjoy ourselves, Clacton. And then the next day, when I got back, we got back on a Friday. I can't remember what days it was now. But on next day, I went to a birthday party for a friend's birthday party. I hadn't seen her in ages. Um, My friend Casey White. Shout out to Casey. (laughs) Um... Because it was her birthday party, it was her 21st, and I hadn't seen her in years since we finished college. So, uh, yeah, I've been busy. You've been busy. Slightly. I have, yeah. Well, school was just... I've, I've had to concentrate on school. Mm. I had a photography exam recently. Yeah. I think That's it went it. well. I think it went well. Yes, I've just had to be concentrating on life. Yeah. Ooh. So, again, as we reiterate... I'm going to be struggling this episode. I know I can't. I will. And I've got big words in this script, especially names. I don't know how to you, how you pronounce these names. I will try my best. I did try to do my research to find out how you pronounce some of these names. Hopefully I get them right. Phenomenal. That without... Oh. I, actually, I actually got it wrong. I actually got it wrong. <laughs> Damn. Um, Let me just take a sip of water. Sick. Yeah, I think we both need to take a sip. Pinkies out, bottoms up. Nice. Oh, no. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he just spilled his water down himself. Mm-mm-mm. It's all right. 
Oh dear. Minimal spillage. Yeah. So, as, uh, what was the word I was trying to figure out? Phenomenal. Reiterated. That was it. No, that was you. <laughs> as, I'm going to reiterate, as we said in the um, previous episode, we'll upload when we can, because we still like to do this, but we have this. lives. We do, yeah. <laughs> I hope you people have to respect that. I know, yeah. I know a bunch of my friends have been listening and they've just been, they've been curious about this yeah and what goes into it i'm liking how we're approaching episodes um it's taking longer to get episodes out but, but i feel like it's it's good quality i think it's worth it in the end especially when it comes to you know we give our opinions but sometimes someone else could give their opinions and they may think okay why is it different why do you feel this certain way we give you information on the background the production of a certain project and once you give that get that information, a lot of stuff just clicks into place. There's a there's a few names in this that was involved in this film that as soon I heard before, as soon as I did my research, I was like, oh, makes sense. And a lot of stuff just clicks in place. These people, you well, you'll see or you'll hear as we get into this. So I don't think there's anything else we needed to say. Mm. We didn't need to spend another twenty minutes babbling about updates and shit. And interrupted by a cat. We're gonna, we've shut the curtains this time, so hopefully she doesn't interrupt. Because she's fuck a me, loud we've got, cat. We've got stuff well. to go through. Anyway, let's get on with it. Yes. So, Rise of the Beasts is a science fiction action film released earlier this year in June, very early June. It was directed by Stephen Capel Jr. from a screenplay by, and I hope I get these names right, Joby Harold, Darnell Matea, Josh Peters. Eric Hober and John Hober. Why can't we just have a John Smith? Because the internet hates me. It just hates everyone. It serves as... The film serves as a standalone sequel to 2018's Bumblebee, which, we again, we reviewed uh, last episode. Standalone in the sense that it was... You don't have to watch Bumblebee to understand this one, but it's nice... Knowing that there's some references to the there film. are some references yeah. in the fact that Bumblebee says, "Oh, the humans are my friends," and obviously that's a reference to just because one was good to you. Yeah, yeah, it's that's... that line. It was, it was like Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV in the <laughs> cinema. I was like, "Ah, yes, ah. I've seen the film. I understand that. I get that reference. I get that. Uh, that's a Captain America reference. I get that. You, you won't probably know that until, until we do the MCU binge. Until the MCU binge, when we do that, oh, if God. we do that. Which we will, but I, I think DC is a bit shorter, so maybe we'll do yeah. DC first. For context, the MCU binge is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, it's, I think we've talked about this before, but it, we're just watching all the MCU projects. I, he got me to sign a contract to sell In my... In blood. Yep. He, I, he now owns my soul. If mm-hmm. I... Breach it. If, if I hop out of this contract... I will probably implode like 14 minutes later. Yeah. No, you'll implode immediately. You'll be like, I'm out, and then just... What, like, su- Suicide Squad style. Yeah. Like, my head... Your head, your head just my, pops clean off. My head explodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's something for another point, but... I love that film. Which one? The new, the new one? Oh, yeah. I was just about to say. For all you people that prefer the old Suicide Squad... Look, Shut I don't up. blame them. Look, I, I know, do. I know this. Oh, I, I, to an extent, I do. But at the same time, I, I don't know. 
certain people have certain taste, you know. How can you not love Terrible taste, but yeah. still, teach of their own. How can you not love the James Gunn style of film? Well, I mean, there's people who don't like... Sometimes feel that his humour is vulgar and a bit irreverent. I, I know a friend of mine, uh, she despises the film. We we found this out at the same time no, while what? we were watching the film. No, no, no. I, well, I, I found out um, when she came, when oh. everyone came around our house and she told again, but I knew before she didn't oh, like it. Oh, you knew before? Yeah, I was hoping that her mind changed because I know several people who watched it first time, actually including myself to an extent, because I thought it was good, better than the first one, but I didn't think it was as amazing as the critics have been saying it was. But now I think, oh yeah, they were right all along. I think but it's... But she hated it, and I was hoping she'd change her mind on it, but no, she said, no, I feel I still don't like it. Mm. And it's mainly because I don't like uh, James's humour in this film, which I get. Mm. No, I, I didn't like it first time I watched it in the cinema, but as soon as you... And that's the thing with humour and comedy. Uh, there's always going to be that one um, aspect about comedy that is subjective. And that is audience buy-in. The extent yeah. to which someone is on board with a particular film's comedy. I recently watched Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. A film I really liked. It won a load of, Os- it's a lot, yeah. load of Oscars earlier this year. You watched all of them self, All of them just well-deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it with mum. She despised it. Yeah, she yeah. thought it was overrated. She did not like it whatsoever. And I think to an extent, that's because humor. She didn't really, she didn't really like the film's humor. She thought there was the humor was the type of humor wasn't on board. I didn't mind it. I was in my. It's not my particular favorite type of humor, but I think I get why she was not on board with it because it's an absurdist comedy to an extent. The absurd yeah. nature of the humor, I think she just didn't like whatsoever. Yeah, uh, I found. I, I don't know if this is true. I hope it is because it said it would be really cool. Mm-hmm. But apparently, the editors who made like the visual effects and all of that, there was only like five of them. That is true. Yeah. And they only they like they made the visual effects based off like YouTube tutorials. Yeah, and all the stuff they could get on was pro, those premium pro, that oh sort my. of stuff. Oh you know, my. like the, the the stuff you could do for a homemade project. CapCut. And despite CapCut, <laughs> and it's. <laughs> and it's <laughs> Edit a film with CapCut. Maybe a bit of, throw a bit in a, a bit of iMovie. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, despite all of that, and how good the visual effects actually turned out to be, I'm surprised that the one thing he was not nominated for was... You okay? Don't choke. <coughs> you could. As soon as I swallowed that, I was like, no, I swallowed this. Wrong. And it went down the wrong hole. <laughs> no, don't take that Just, out of context. Yeah, know, no, Austin, but... Austin, no. D- don't take this out of context, please. Or Connor, or Ronnie, or Leland, or... I think you're joking. Just take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I was surprised that the one Oscar it wasn't nominated for was Best Visual Effects. Hmm. That was the one, was probably one of the few that it was nominated for and didn't win, so... Yeah. yeah. Rise of the Beasts. Yes, Rise of the Beats. Beats. <laughs> Beats. <laughs> Beats. Rise of the Beats. Signs of the Grams. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's how you can tell we're nerds when you find when what we find stuff like that funny. Mm. You can tell we're nerds. But that's my, our appeal. Let's be honest. My ears are ringing. What? My ears are ringing. Why are they ringing? I don't know. Let's get back to this film. Is <laughs> <laughs> my head might so, explode? Rise of the Beasts serves as a standalone sequel to 2018's Bumblebee. Yes. And is the seventh overall instalment in the live-action Transformers film series. 
which is based on the Hasbro toy line of the same name. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so, following the critical and commercial success of Bumblebee, Paramount Pictures, which is the production company behind the Transformers films, uh, they, along with Hasbro, announced there was going to be ongoing developments for a follow-up, I think, back in early 2019. And about a year later, Paramount reportedly, rep- reportedly had two different screenplays for Transformers films. Mm-hmm. One of them was written by James Vanderbilt, Ooh. and the other by Joby Harold. Now, I found, I found conflicting reports on whether they were scripts for separate films or two different takes on the same project, but essentially, from what I, can, what I did find out, was that Vanderbilt's script was an adaptation of the Beast Wars storyline from the Transformers series. A, oh. a storyline and a era of the saga I am not particularly familiar with. I, it's, it's, I don't know fuck all about it. Mm. So well, you're a Transformers nerd as well. So that's that. That shows. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like nerd nerd. I don't know everything, but I love a lot. Uh, uh, you a love lot it stu- more than the average person. A lot of the stuff that I have seen of Transformers, I love. Mm. I just haven't seen the Beast Wars storyline whatsoever. Yeah, it's just a. It's a grey area. It's a. Um, it's an area I just. I've never been able to access, and I just had no interest in seeing. Probably just because I don't like the idea. Not which is really weird because I think trans. I said I was gonna say. I wasn't particularly interested in the Transformers transforming into animals, but I think that's weird because technically that's cooler than transforming into fucking cars. Yeah. Could you imagine just like you're this you're this awesome, sick, massive robot. Uh, what would you prefer in t- to transform into? Uh, Mercedes a, or a fucking gorilla? Yeah, would you rather transform into a mountain lion or a Peugeot 206 1.4 litre engine car? <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Well, I, 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 pr- I think, yeah. Mountain lion. It, it sounds cooler than the regular Transformers, but I have just never seen it, so I can't really comment on that. I know last episode there was a segment where I said, oh, I've. I have a lot of nostalgia for the Transformers films yeah. and the cartoons and everything like Just that. the but media. I've never followed the Beast Wars storyline, so I can't comment on that. So anyway, Vanderbilt's script was reportedly on that. It was adapting that storyline. Yeah. Whereas Harold's was a sequel to Bumblebee. Yeah. Either way, it was Harold's script that Paramount chose to primarily work on getting made at the time. It kind of merged both of them. Which I'll get to, because Stephen Ke- by, and by November 2020, Stephen Cable Jr. was hired to direct that particular feature. Um, about I, I remember because I remember this happening. I think around my birthday, 2021, so in February 2021, um, they announced what the working title for the film was at the mo- at that moment, and it was Beast Alliance, oh, which indicated. That it would not only serve as a Bumblebee sequel, but it would also be primarily influenced by the Beast Wars. Yeah. Which was weird because, like I say, I, f- I, I, like I said, I found conflicting reports. People tend to say Vanderbilt had something else entirely, and that Joby Harold's script eventually turned into a Beast Wars adaptation. But apparently, he was adapting Beast Wars. I don't know. It's very conflicting on the reports. But with Beasts Alliance being the title at the time. It not only hinted that Bumblebee, this would be Bumblebee 2, essentially, mm. but it would also be 
influenced by Beast Wars. Yeah. And it, there was a lot of hints of characters from that particular era being introduced in the f- in film, finally. Characters I've never been really familiar with until th- this film. Oh, that's an alarm. Shit. Sorry, everyone. I just, my alarm just went off for my I tablets. I thought you actually turned that off. I didn't well. turn it off. I, should, I, for, I forgot to turn it off. And I just got a bit of copyright music, probably. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, God. What? We can cut this out, can't we? Yeah, we can. Well, I don't think it's copyright. I mean, I, you barely heard it because I spoke over it and it's not exactly next to the microphone. So whether or not it was picked up... Yeah, it's just... Hopefully not. <laughs> anyway, by June, um, there were more details that came out uh, at a virtual event held by Paramount. Michael Bay was there and obviously, again, he directed the first five live-action films and he produced Bumblebee. Um... And he once again serves as a producer on this film. Mm. And also at that event, uh, the official title was announced. So no longer Beast Alliance. It was now Rise of the Beasts, as it is now known. Uh, Fast confirming that it would also... Not only would it serve as a loose adaptation of Beast Wars, but the second installment in the new reboot timeline following Bumblebee. Yeah. And they also said, as a Beast Wars film, it would... Um, feature the Maximals and the Predacons, which are essentially the animal versions of the Autobots and Decepticons, respectively. Yes. And so it was then... also going to introduce a new take on the Terracon faction, which is also another version of Decepticons. That it's was... very conv- convoluted. Terracons are... What's it? The Terracons, in, as the film, you know What's it. his name? Big guy. Scourge. No, the the bigger one, Unicron. Yes, him. No, he's on his own. He's he, no one. No one's like what Unicron. Terracons? terracons are basically in the film. Uh, in this film, I don't know about in the original series or anything like that. But in the films depicted, as they are depicted in the films, the Terracons are the ones that are working for Unicron. That's what so I meant. So Scourge. That's what I meant. And the uh, two other ones, I can't remember the names of because they can't, they might have said them in the film, but I can't really remember them. Mid. I think one of them was Darkwing or something. I don't know. But one of them flew. So the, the so the faction that Scourge leads in the film are the Terracons, and apparently it's a new take on the Terracons. It's quite different to how they are in the in the original series. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, with all that out of the way. Yes. I think we could go on to probably the first bit of praise we could give to this film. I don't know how you feel about this aspect, but this is the first we this is the first thing we talked about in the last episode. I think it's I think it's poetic that we do it the same for this one. Yeah. And that's the directing. Yes. So, Stephen Cable Jr. Wrote, directed this film, not wrote, he directed this film. What are your opinions on the directing? I I yeah, I thought it was good. You know, like, um, I just, I can't really say much. It was just solid, I'd say. Solid. It was a good, I think that's the best solid. way to describe it. It's solid. Um, his previous film was Creed 2. Oh. He directed Creed. I, I don't know if you wrote that as well, but I know he directed Creed 2. And similar to how this film turned out in regards to Bumblebee, while I didn't think, um... Cable Jr.'s directing was as strong as Ryan Coogler's directing for Creed 1. I think he still does a very solid job. And he gives... Um, he does... I don't say he has a 
very distinct cinematic flair, but at least he's got style to it. He's got a certain style to it that you know you're like, okay, this is yeah, a, this is that. this is a Stephen Cable film. Like there's like the Sam Raimi thing. There's, there's a not, Sam Raimi style. There's not there's not yeah. a Sam Raimi style. There's not a James Gunn style. There's not a Ryan Coogler style. There's not even a Michael Bay style to it or Travis Knight. It's just a very stylish and well-directed film in its in, in certain aspects. It's his own it's a, style. It's, it's his, his own style, style, but it's not a style style, if you if you get what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's not He's good at his job, yeah. and that's it. He's just doing... He's just he doing, does good. He's doing what? You do work, you're doing good, Stevie. I mean, he's getting paid for it. He's getting paid for he's it. Paid and also, for apparently he's advice. a very lovely guy, because obviously they shot this film in Peru, um, and there was a kid they had on set who drew, like... Uh, uh, they drew... Um, uh, an Autobot or like Transformers on the thing and he's a lovely guy because apparently he not only invited the kids from the orphanage that came on set yeah. to the uh, screening to the, uh, to the red carpet oh. screening oh. but he also donated all the money he made off the film to fixing their roof Aww. so good on you Stephen Aww. you absolute chad legend that's 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 lovely, you know. We yeah. need we need more people like Stefan. Stefan, we need we need more people like we Stefan. Need. So yeah, um, for Creed two, I don't think it's as well directed as the first one, but it's still solid and very stylish in its own right. And I saw similar to how ha- ha- he's directing for this film in regards to Bumblebee. Bumblebee is the better directed film in my opinion. Yeah, but I think this is still a very solidly directed film. I sort of yeah. I don't think, yeah, it just doesn't reach the heights of Travis' work, Knight's work, yeah. you know? Uh, it's, and it's very distinct from Bay's and Knight's styles, you know? They've, uh, apparently, when, he took, when it came to the approach of tone and action, mm-hmm. he was heavily, the film was heavily influenced by Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Now, I don't think you've... You've never seen any Terminator films. No, I haven't. But I've, so, I've seen the chunks of them and I've heard people say this, so, that. And I haven't seen Terminator 2 in quite a while. But from what I can gather, what I think he meant in regards to that was that it's a darker film. There are, it is technically... Um, like, Bumblebee is probably the most light-hearted film in the series. So this one is a bit more mature, but it's not like dark, dark. It's just, you know, it takes itself more seriously since there's... Bigger stakes at hand. You know, Unicron coming to eat the planet. Yeah. And the action, it's a lot more larger in scale. It's more bombastic. Yeah, because it is. It's ma- similar it is. towards the Bay action than it is the Travis Knight action. Yeah, because it's like massive robots. Yeah. You know, and all, in a one-to-one brawl. The, uh, the climax has them fighting on the battlefield, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember... I can't remember why I saw this. I think it was someone tweeted this, and I thought, yeah, that I could get that. Yeah. But someone compared the action of the Bay Transformers films to that of a kid who's playing with these toys, and he's just smashing them into each other repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no choreography. He's not imagining anything. He's just bang, 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 smashing these yeah. toys together. Oh, one of them wins, one of them loses. And then suddenly, just a massive explosion. No, no There's no logic whatsoever no to it. Whatsoever. It's just a kid enjoying himself. Yeah. Which is fair. <laughs> Michael Bay's just like... That's probably what he was like on the set. He was it's like, especially, yeah, that one. Especially since you can't see the fucking action sometimes. Mm. It's, it's, I, get, I get what you meant there. But so they compared the action of this film, and to an extent Bumblebee, as 
a kid who's at least imagining how the fight is looking. Yeah. And what the choreography is like. It's kind of intentional. I don't know. I don't really want to say this because I, th- I think... But it's kind- It's nice because Transformers were originally toys. Yes, they were. So and it's I, a nice way of thinking about it. That's why I do like the aesthetic of this film... Of these new films, there's a lot more. The kid just they, had a massive unicron. And yeah. He was just like... Yeah. <laughs> just a massive fucking ball that he just drops on these toys that just break. He, has, uh, he, also, had, he also had a one-to-one scale of Earth. Yeah, one-to-one just, scale. Just to play with that as well. Mm. Oh, so, I, don't, I, I wouldn't say this is 100% accurate. I think that's doing a discredit to Bay's action. Which what, they I, had a, he had a one-to-one scale of Earth and his, and no, his toys? No, that, that he just seems to be smashing his CGI models yeah, into each other with no... I know, I was just trying to act like an idiot because... Well, that's you don't have I, to do that. That's what I do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> take, go on, take a sip of your water. Yeah. Think about what you did. All right, let's just hope I don't choke. Hmm. Um, I, I, about aesthetic, because that's what we were about to talk about, um, because I, I guess that comes under directing as well. Yes. Um, the, the, the directing of, uh, this film is obviously continuing the style of Bumblebee, in that the aesthetic is more in line with how they're portrayed in the original manga and, uh, animated series from the 60s. I think it was from the 60s. It must be that old. I don't know. Um, I don't know how old it is, but the designs are a lot more closer. However, for this one, I think they, for those who, those few hardcore fans of the Bay films who were like, oh, these designs are shit, even though I'd argue that every design from Bumblebee is better than they are in the Bay films. Yeah. I just prefer, I, I, I mean, that's probably personal taste, but I think they are arguably better. They just look better, I guess. They just look cleaner. They look cleaner. That's what it is. There's not exact... And the thing is, with the Bay models, you can often... You, when, especially when it comes to the action scenes, you can't tell who's who. They just need you, to... They're just the same sort of models and grey... Gun metal grey. Just, just... Smashing into each other. Just use... Just get another light. Yeah. Get, get some more colour into it and more distinct builds, if yeah. you know. <laughs> but the designs for Rise of the Beasts, I think, still keep that Bumblebee aesthetic... But there are some changes to lean more into the Bay style. They do expand. Like, I'm not a fan <sighs> of Optimus Prime's design in this film because it feels like they tried to mishmash the one from Bumblebee to the Bay films, and I'm just not a fan because there's a bit. Obviously, there's most of it is um, the Bumblebee design, but it clashes with a few elements that thing feel a bit more gritty and realistic as they were in Bay. Yeah, but overall, I think the aesthetic continues to be great in this f- film, in these films, especially when they set them in the, they're, they're set in the past, like the nineties. Yeah, because that's where I, f- I can't remember if it's ninety four Nin- or nineteen ninety four. Ninety four. I thought it was ninety seven then, but I was like, no, no that's that's eighty seven was Bumblebee. Yeah, because we were, I remember we were having a discussion about uh, the museum scene with the lasers. Yeah, there's a there's a scene not to nitpick. But there is a scene in a museum where um, one of the main human characters is scanning a statue. That's uh, a MacGuffin for the story. And she's using... There's a bit where she's 
clearly using a very old laptop, like the old computers. With old, the, ri- with, like, you know, the, when they had the box behind the screen. When it was literally just... And that's something you expect from a library. It was as detailed as an Amazon cardboard box. Yeah, it's those old-timey um, computers. Yet, in the scene prior, when she's scanning this uh, statue... La- she's using a it's scanner like, that's lasery. It's bank, very like bank vault style lasers, just yeah. circling. It's just this circling, bird. circling it as well. It's not just like oh, it scans a bit a side of it and then has to rotate, then scan it. It's scanning as it's rotating. It's moving. One eighty, one hundred and eighty degrees, like, and it's not even slowing down. It's like it's full on. This is like modern day technology that I just don't get. I really don't. I just, you could bring up the argument that it's oh none of this is realistic because there's massive car robots up there. But the thing is, you could literally just take them out Look, and have it just be normal. I Earth, wonder if and that would make. I wonder if that technology did exist back in the nineties. I wonder, but based on <laughs> my to, knowledge of how need to build a time machine technology was for to the early two thousands, mm-hmm. I don't think it was. No, <laughs> it definitely wasn't. Especially with, like, our grandparents' stories about, like, technology and say, oh, back in the day, we never used to have these mobile devices. We used to use, we used to do social interaction. We never had Fitbits. We had to count our own steps. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> one, one, two, two three. three. Oh, I'm tired. I'm going to go sit on the sofa. Yeah. Because, <laughs> what was I, I was going to say something as well. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to yeah. say. Sorry. Well, you know, I because I'd always come back with the argument saying, "Yeah, I can socialize. Yeah, I can put my phone down. That's the thing. I have a group of friends. I can put. We can all put our phones down and we can socialize. Yeah. Unlike other friend groups. Yeah. Like our school's putting a ban on mobile phones, which no one likes. No one likes that change, but our group can cope with it because we can literally we can put our phones down. We can find something to do, and yeah. then we do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fun. Are there any? Other aspects of Bumblebee that you are uh, that you want to mention, like, oh, well, I think CGI is good, visual effects yeah, are good. Yeah, that, that, yeah, they have. I think there are moments that I am not convinced, but I don't know if that's the fact it's bad CGI or if the way it's shot or the way it the shot because there's sometimes there's moments where it's following a character as they run so fast and they film it practically. There's moments where it's filmed practically in Peru. But when you get characters like Optimus Primal, who runs so quick, he's doing he's in his gorilla mode, he's just running so fast. Yeah. And it's the camera's chasing off them, which I think was clever in practice, but I don't know what it is, but I they probably sped it up to show that he's running a bit quicker than he is. Mm. But the, the practical footage, the sped up practical footage mixed in with CGI models, just sometimes doesn't work for me. Mm. I think overall the CGI is good, but I'm just not a fan of those particular shots. A little nitpick I have with both the films, basically with all the films, uh, and you'll probably know what I'm on about, is how nobody really knows who the Transformers is. Not, not the average citizen knows who the Transformers are. Do you remember, there's, this, there's a scene in the film where this massive jet who's actually a Transformer... Is flying Stratosphere. over the city. Yeah, right. he's flying over the city, then lands, causing like a there's crumb, there's like rubble. He lands. He's an old. He's betrayed as an old geezer. Yeah, he's betrayed as a, as a man who he's a bit elf shape. So when he comes down and to meet his friends to bring him to Peru, and he crashes down and he causes a lot of destruction. He even coughs up a bit of metal, like yeah. it's spit. 
Like, How does like, no one look out their window and go, oh, why is there a World War One bomber flying over our city? Of course there's a moment earlier when they go to the museum and everyone's blasting each other and there's fire. At the end, when they, they escape and the authorities arrive. But even then, I think there's moments where, <laughs> clearly, especially that stratosphere scene, mm. people should be like, what the fuck is going on? What? what? Why? Especially the design of Stratosphere, because he's an old. He seems like an old World War Two jet. Yeah, he's, like, he's a bomber plane. He doesn't look stable. So if I saw that flying over New York, I mean, I'm not, New York, I'm not a New Yorker, but if I saw that flying overhead, I'd think over. I don't know. I think. No, even, I'd think one thing. What the fuck's going on? I, I want to know where it is. I'll get my goggles out. I'll get my binoculars out. And I'll see where it lands, and then I'll see it transform into a fucking robot. I think even the most stupid of Americans would have enough brain cells connect yeah. to connect the this fact that that does not belong in our environment. For, and that's not... Yeah. For, for this film, I think it's the most egregious, because it doesn't really attempt to explain some scenes like that. But for Bumblebee, they're a bit more obscure with it. There are yeah. certain pe- certainly some people who know it, and they do try to keep the fact that Bumblebee is alive secret. I mean, the government knows, obviously, but no one else. Yeah. Uh, apart from the main characters as well. No, the public doesn't seem to be anywhere. But, and they try to keep it secret because it makes sense. In the Bay films, they don't give a fuck. Everyone knows Transformers are real. Yeah. Even though the government, government tries their best to say, like, oh, they're not real. The <laughs> yeah. fact that there's so many scenes where they're running through cities, destroying cars, probably killing civilians, and there's scenes on... There's, leaks online or video footage of these attacks we need a kill count and there's a, there's some people there's a group of friends that Sam Sam Witwicky makes in the second film and they're like they're conspiracy theorists they're like oh yeah. aliens are real man and they get these footage this footage like they, they're able to find film footage of several Transformers attacks in the, pre, in the previous film and the early stages of the second one and Sam's still trying to convince even the government to extend that because they try they suppress the video. They try to convince these people. Oh no, it's not real. And I'm like, did the rumors of giant fucking robots in the destroying first of all New York in the first film? Did no one think? Oh my god, there's did not even like a news anchor think? Yeah. Oh my god, there's ro- a, a, a news report like a writer for. There's robots in the city destroying it. They saved our lives. I've got to report this to the world. Should the it, world deserves to know there's aliens. Should it not be on the news? Yeah, should it not be on the news? The go- you could say maybe the government did something to the government. Uh, to to extent try to stop news getting out. But also, I'm not being funny. To the extent that they go to prevent it, it's they do to see it's not working. It doesn't it. work anyway because people still know. Mm-hmm. You still get footage leaked out. This conspiracy theorists who know who weren't even there, like. Fuck me. And by the end of the second one, there's no point because the whole world knows now. The Fallen announced to the world, oh, we are here, we are living, and we want your world. Mm. Also, uh, if it was a theory, if it was like a rumour, who who would have came up with it? Just some random guy in the pub just... <laughs> You get me another Sam, one, Johnny. Sam. Did you know there's space aliens who can transform to cars? You believe me, right? So the funny thing is, is that when the conspiracy theorist show shows Sam the video that they've got, he's re- reacting. He's like, obviously, he's trying to pretend. He's trying to act like he doesn't know, and he's doing a poor job at it. But he's like, it's fake. Yeah, it's fake. And then, and then, and their response. Trying to back up, like, supposedly backing up Sam's claim, even though they're trying to argue against it. They're like, it's the truth. 
The internet doesn't lie. I just... Oh. I find the logic sometimes of these films, I'll probably blame that on the writing of the first five films. Just the world building does not make sense. I think that's my only, like, what I'm... What, what I, I don't have any other... Any and I other think that's that, a nitpick of mine. That's probably something I'm going to bring up um, when, I ca- when it comes to the problems section, because I'm, I'm going to quickly write this down, because this is good um, uh, notes. But anything else you like about this film? Maybe some characters, the um, soundtrack, just... Start waffling and I'll join in when I can. Oh, wait, what? So I'm just supposed to, like. Did you just blank that yes. entire five, 15 seconds of stuff I told you to do? Yeah. I asked you, just name other stuff that you liked about the film. Maybe the soundtrack, some characters, some particular performances. Just name something while I write down this note. I like Bumblebee. We, everyone likes Bumblebee, come on! Optimus Prime is cold. Like honestly, see, it's just me talking. Let's just let's just imagine Charmelade's not here at the moment. He's he's doing his notes or whatever. I've just one well, to finished one, now. Well, oh, for God's sake! I was well, continue. Continue. One to one talk with the people. Optimus Prime is one of the coldest characters in all of media, and I will stand that point to the test of time. He is massive. This like in whenever whatever he's in, he's always just cool, and there's like no doubt about that. There hasn't been a single piece of media which has done Optimus Prime dirty, unless there is. I, I mean, no, I don't. I can't name a particular one. It's his voice as well. The voice actor. Pete, I, I, I don't know how you pronounce his surname. I always get it wrong. I, I always, I do, sometimes I say Cullen or Cullen. It's spelled C U double L E N. Peter Cullen. I'm gonna say. Cullen. I'm gonna say Cullen for now, but Peter Cullen. Um, the most prominent voice actor for uh, uh, Optimus Prime because there's apart from I think one piece of media that he doesn't voice Optimus Prime and that is Transformers Animated. I think he, he that's the, the name of the show. It was yeah. literally called Transformers Animated. He is Optimus Prime. He is Optimus Prime, and I think it's just he's voice voice in general. Whether you, uh, I think it's just, as a general character, Optimus just works no matter the iteration. Whether it's the Bay films, which are generally crap or these new films or some of the old cartoons just Optimus just works as a character and I think that's mainly down to Peter Cullen's brilliant voice acting mm. so that was that was, that was, that was waiting was... oh my god oh no my no it's god. not that big it's not that big oh. not... <laughs> con- that's a very out of context I was scrolling through my notes and he's just he looks suddenly looks over and says oh that's Oh my god! He's like, oh my god! I'm like, no, that's not that big because we've just gone through most of that notes, and it's just Ooh. words and sentences that could just go by quick. Um, for you, for all of you that t- are taking that out of context, you are weird. We're not the weirdos. You're the weirdos. Get your dirty little mind out of our conversation and just continue doing what you're doing. Like, say, if you're cleaning the room, just continue cleaning your room while listening to the podcast, because people do that. I've talked to them about it. Just continue doing whatever you're doing and forget this happened. That's that's my... That's no. one thing. Just, that's another thing out of the way for you. Yes. You must feel very accomplished in life. I don't. Aw. Uh, anyway, um... Oh, sound, I think soundtrack's fine. It, I mean, I'm not a particular fan of 90s music anyway. But I think, obviously, I setting the set, set the film as it is, I think the 
soundtrack works for this particular film. It's not one yeah. of my all-time favourites. It's not like a some... Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack or an no. Into Spider-Fi soundtrack. There's but some just... songs that I just bop my head to. You could just, just bop your head to. Yeah, it. but there's no songs that you're just like... Like, you're standing up on your sofa, one knee on, like, the armrest. No, slave tail! Just, like, air <laughs> guitar, just full-on rocking out. Come and get your other. Or just dancing around your living room. There's no yeah. songs you can do that. It's just, it's just a casual head Soundtrack, yeah, soundtrack's it's just, good. It's it works like... for the film it does. Um, characters, character-wise, we go back to characters. You said Bumblebee's cute. You really like Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Optimus works as a character. The character, obviously, there's too many. There's a lot of characters with this film. There's the nerd. There's right. quite a few characters in this film. You got Optimus um, Prime. You got Bumblebee. You got Mirage. For this is Autobots. Autobots. You got Optimus, Bumblebee, Mirage, RC, Wheeljack, Stratosphere. Who isn't in that much? The in nerd that emoji one. He's li- Wheeljack. He, yeah, he's literally the nerd emoji, but as <laughs> uh, as a transformer. Um, for the he's also Spanish. For the Maximals, you've got. Um, Optimus Primal, Ape Link, who's at the beginning but gets killed straight away. He didn't. Air Razor. They, he gets done. Yeah, dirty. they they do Ape Link day. They, you've got Air Razor. You've got Cheetor, Rhinox, Cheetor. and for the Terracons, you've got Scourge. I, I can't remember the other two, but you, I know Scourge because he's the main villain. And, and then you got you've got Unicron, big fat Unicron, big fat Unicron. Character, human character wise, you've got um, Noah Diaz. Noah Diaz. I no, can't remember the woman. Oh, just I can't ju- remember her name. It's a woman. That's what you need to know. It's a woman. <laughs> don't say it like that. No. Don't know. Oh, uh, Elena Wallace. I've just looked it up. Elena Wallace. I was and you also got um, Chris, Noah's younger brother. Um, that's yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's about it. That's that's uh, that's about it in terms of main character they humans. Are, that's also that's something that's what I'm going to say as well. They're interesting human characters. They are not as good, but. As Charlie from the first film, but I think Charlie just works in general. I think he she is the best character in the f- series. But for this film, they these human characters are really solid. I the way they established them. Charlie from Bumblebee is the best human character. Yeah, definitely. But I, I feel like these two. But the, are these really t- good. But um, Elena and Noah are very close because they work really. They work really well. They establish their daily lives, and you got you buy into that because it's very you know you you sympathise with them yeah. and their situations. Elena doesn't get appreciated at work. Noah's brother's very ill, um, and he can't get a job. You know that you feel sorry for them, so you buy into their like their situation. You give them a and also the acting from Anthony uh, Ramos. I think was it Ramos. He's really good. He's great in it. So is Dominique Fishback, who plays Elena, and they've got great chemistry. I mean, they don't—they don't fall in love with each other, but I get—I buy into the situation that out of nowhere, these two characters who are pulled into this world, they are the best of friends they could be in a situation like this. Yeah. They—I think they've got great chemistry, and also, um, um, Dean Scott Vaz—I don't know how you say that Vasquez. V A Z Q U E Z. Who plays Chris? I don't think oh is a. I don't. I wouldn't say it's a bad performance, but it's not a performance that sticks out. But he is a when child. he's when he is a child actor, child actors rarely. I, I'm not. A fan. I mean, there's just, there's the scenes him. But well, the scenes the with him and Noah are it's great. Char- it's charming. They've got great chem- like the chemistry between the human characters always work. Reminds me of like, it reminds me of me and you. 
Yeah, I buy into their relationship because it's just like me brothers. Uh, they're bro- they're twelve brother type because there's brothers who hate each other. I know f- friends who hate their siblings, but yeah. I tolerate you. Yeah, I know. Ro- <laughs> ro- uh, well, I know. Whenever I I call my friend Ronnie, Ronnie, this is your shout out. Um, I know that his brother Henry can be a bit loud, and like every couple minutes, I just hear Ronnie shout, "Shut up, Henry," or just yeah. something like that. So the the human characters work because they've got great <laughs> chemistry between each other. The performances are good. Um, Optimus always works. Bumblebee always works. Um, Scourge. I would say I'm stuck between it for now, but he's probably either the second best or the best Transformers villain in the live action film series. He was scary. He's they, he's a menace. I think they established his menace and his power really well. Although they could have made a bit more, you know, exciting with Ape Link's fire at the beginning because yeah. it was only like it lasted ten, ten seconds, less than ten seconds. I feel like if there was more, Peter Dinklage voiced um, Scourge. Do you know who that is? No. Um, Dwarf from Game of Thrones, or um, I'm trying to think, what else he's been in? You know, Pixels. Yes. The short guy, the midget, the dwarf. I don't. No, no, I don't. Oh, yeah, I know. The cheater, the one who's the fire, fire blaster. Yeah, 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 him, him, him. Hang on, let me get. Yeah, no, I know who he is. He he played um. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. I was yeah, thinking yeah. there was a film. Peter that, Dinklage. There's a film that you really like. It was like the Knights of something. Oh, Knights of Badassdom. He's yeah. great in that. He's fucking hilarious in Knights of Badassdom. Mm. Um, but yeah, he voices Scourge. I think he's voices menacing. Uh, I like the aspect that whoever he kills, he takes the in the their emblem. symbol, their yeah, emblems. Emblem. I like that. Which I think is a cool nod. He doesn't Perfect. get much in the sense of development. There's one bit that I'm like, oh, hints at more characterization than it is given. And that's the fact that there's a bit where Unicorn says, get me the other half of the key or I will destroy you like the rest of your planet. planet. Yeah, yeah. So that hints at the fact that Scourge is a possible survivor he, of a planet that um, Unicorn's eaten. And he, he, said, and like, he lets live... If he served him. He said, you'll wish you went down with your planet or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 that's it. Which hints that he's let him live in order to serve him, which I like the idea of. And he has to serve Unicron. Yeah, otherwise he'll die. Otherwise he'll die. And that's something, or you say it out loud, sounds brilliant. Do they actually explain in the film? No. no. Well, you're going to figure that out unless you actually fall, fall about the more, more you, than five seconds. If you use... If you use your brain... If you actually use your brain... If you use... And figured that out. Does that make? Does that? Does that? Um, does that make the character better? Yes. But in the film itself, he's all right. He's the probably the second or best, best or second best in the series, tied with Lockdown from Age of uh, Extinction. Because I actually like Age of. Uh, no, I don't like Age of Extinction, but he's I like quite film. like Lockdown. And I think he's cold. Um, the way he works in the film is great. Uh, he's probably the best one. But Scourge is a close one. I think Scourge is. Pretty good. Um, probably the I, I I'm always back between the two, on which one's the better one. But yeah, the other characters, the only other character I'd say, well, Optimus Primer works in the film. Air Razor works for because when they get their development. Because like I said, there's a lot of characters in this film, not just human characters. There's the the Transformers, 
and it's quite a few of them. So you don't, not all of them get a lot of character development. Can you stop playing with your water I'm bottle? I'm sorry, please? it's just I'm just scratching it, and all the and all the stiffest stuff is coming. Well, off the don't level. do that because if you whatever you touch now, you've got you got. I can wash my hands. Actually, no, I'll be fine. Oh fuck's sake! I'm just a child inside. You've got ADHD, I reckon. I might. <laughs> it's official I, diagnosis. I might get that tested. You know. <laughs> um. Yeah. I think not all of them get development. I think the aspects that do work, when you get hints at characterization, it works. But there are the certain characters that work because they f- they are the focus of the film, yeah. like Mirage. I like Mirage. Mirage for me is the MVP. I was about to say that he is the best character, um, given by probably the best performance of the mm. film, Pete Davidson, a f- person I, like I know Pete people. Davidson. You love Pete Davidson. I love Pete Davidson. I know other people who hate him. Really? Probably just the fact that he gets bitches. Really? Even though looking like um, a crack whore hobbit. People hate him? People hate him. Some people don't find him funny. Or the fact that he gets all these bitches and they don't. They're just jealous of him. But I've, he's fine. I don't have strong opinions about he's Pete fine. Davidson. He's Yeah. He's just He's good. And... He, to be fair, he, his voice acting in this film is good, and that, along with the fact how his character's written, I think he is the best character in this film. The thing is, now that you tell me that he's voiced by Pete Davidson, I see... If it you could see it now, can't If it you? wasn't Mirage, and it was Pete Davidson instead, it'd I could still see be, him doing see the it, shit yeah. that he does in the film. It's, very Pete, it's a very Pete Davidson character, but I think that works, because they, they write it organically into the story, and Pete Davidson doesn't go overboard with it. No. He doesn't play a stereotype of himself. He just voices a really well <laughs> version of himself that works within the context of this film. I'm just convinced he's just go- he's just doing his normal daily routine and they've just strapped the microphone to him. So he's recording <laughs> all his voice lines. Yeah. The, another thing about this film um, that I like is the fact this is probably the most transform-y, transformer film it's the most faithful to the source material. It feels like mm. this is the most fan service Transformers film. Um, the character models are as close as they can be to... I mean, they're not as close as the Bumblebee ones, but, I mean, the character models are still close. Um, there's a lot of fan service when it comes to, like, the factions of the Transformers. You've got the Autobots, Maximals, and all that sort of stuff. Yes. You've got Unicron. You've got all these... You got a load of aspects about the Transformers that work. You got musical cues from previous, the previous Bay films. Like Bumblebee yeah. didn't do that. Bumblebee stood on his own two feet. But this, with this film, they obviously try and harken back for the nostalgia for the Bay films. So there's musical cues from those films, which I'm like, when I hear them, I'm like, oh yes, nostalgia. There's lines like Autobots roll out, all which that sort of stuff, just, oh. which you hear that, and I'm like, fist pump, fist pump, honestly. Um, I don't know what else to say about the good stuff about this film. I think, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, I like the direction they were going with this series. Especially with the fact that it obviously is a reboot series. Um, I like the direction they're going with it. We'll probably talk more about that when it comes to the... I think it works more in the um, cons section. Yeah. Even though it's not necessarily a con, but I think it works better when talking about, yeah. the, con, about the point. Anyway, when it comes to... Um, bad stuff. Um, the writing. Uh, what do you think? There were some things that were just didn't quite 
add up from it. There were some things that I was just like, eh, doesn't make that much sense. Yeah. Or, I'll tell you some aspects that I'm like, um, I wasn't a fan of. I have one, yeah, I have one It feels thing. like, it does feel like there's a lot of, exp- there's moments of exposition, and not that it's terrible exposition, but it, there is exposition. Once you notice it, it's like, yeah, yeah. it could have been delivered a bit more, a bit more engaging. Especially I, watching it a second time. Yeah. Through. Um, one uh, big criticism I have, it's not, well, it's big, I don't know, is that the climax, the third act, is it's just like a crappy MCU film. It's the climax for me. Um, the the action's fine. I think there's the character moments where they either Scourge gets his face reveal. Um, Optimus becomes a it's just is a badass. Mirage does his big sacrifice moment. Bumblebee makes his great comeback. There's moments I'm like yes, yeah. but as a whole, I think the climax. My biggest. Like, I think it needed a bit more. Re- I think the script needed a bit more rewrite. I think that I think it's too big for the sake of being big. I think it needs to be not the scale of the action, but I think in the way they portray offense because a lot of stuff of people, a lot of things are happening. You got the main, the, you got the Transformers, you got the Autobots, and um, the Maximals fighting the Terracons and you, the Predacons. You just give Noah a mech suit, like, um, really? You have Mirage looking after Noah and uh, Elena. Elena. Uh, Mirage gives... Okay, that's one aspect I'm not a fan of. Neither. He, he becomes a, a mech suit for Noah. That, I'm like, no. no. I think that was the moment I was like, okay, this climax is probably the worst aspect. Well, maybe not the worst aspect, but one of the weaker aspects of this film. I just, I just didn't. I wasn't a fan of the whole Power Rangers Thing that went there. It was literally Ironheart from, they needed, yeah. from Wakanda Forever. It was. It literally it looked like, like it, but just different colours. And you so yeah, I face. think that it needed a bit more linear structure. It needed to be streamlined a bit more. Because yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on. It needs to be a bit um, shorter, I guess. It needed to be... It's it's too long. It goes on for way too long. And it's like, okay, when's it, when are we going to get to the end? Because there's a lot of stuff that's going on. When are we going to get to our conclusion? Yeah. Um, and that's a problem. I wouldn't say it's not a problem. It's a, it's an issue. It's a, it's a symptom of something I'm going to mention later and you'll get it. You're like, okay, that makes sense. Um, but we'll get to that. Um, the, the fact that they, the only character that dies is Air Razor. They tease that Bumblebee dies and Mirage dies, but they come back. Again, this is a spoiler review. If you're listening, even though we warned you... Your yeah, we did fault. warn you, didn't we? Did, we? I did. We, we did. warned them. So the only ones, that, the only person that dies is Air Razor. She dies. The other two times, I never bought the fact that Mirage or Bumblebee were going to die. No, I know full well that they were coming back. Yeah. Even if you didn't see the trailers, though, there's no way they would have killed Bumblebee. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, they've done it before. They've killed Optimus Prime in, in Revenge of the Fallen. I knew he was going to come back. Even if, I, even though I was shocked in the cinema when watching it with Dad, I, I knew he was going to come back. Yeah. They weren't going to leave it at that. So, yeah. Alright. So, obviously, we're talking about the writing and all the other problems that come of this film. Some of it comes with the writing. Yeah. Sometimes you can look at a film's problems and you think, okay, it can fall down to either uh, the directing or the writing. I think most of the film's problems come down to the writing. And I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to share with you, Sonny, yeah. and everyone who's listening, a fun tidbit when it comes to writing credits in films and TV. And what you can learn from it, because you can learn so much about a film's quality by just looking at 
the credits, especially when it comes to the writing. Yeah. So, the credits for this film, and I'm going to specify, you've got um, the words and, spelled A-N-D, because I'm going to mention two versions of and. You've got the, how it's spelled A-N-D. Yeah. And then you've got ambersand, which is that weird eight symbol, yeah. you know? you got, you know, that weird fancy eight symbol that means and. It's called yeah. ambersand. So oh. the credits for Bumblebee goes screenplay by Joby Harold, word and Darnell Matea, ambersand John Peters, word and Eric Hober, ambersand John Hober. And then it says story by Joby Harold. Mm, well, because what that's making me feel like is Joby Harold is on his own, but then you got Darnell. Matea and John Peters. Yeah, so basically, two. so there's basic basically, if a film says written by, that means whoever writes are credited with that. They created not only the story concept, but they actually were the one who wrote the script. They were the one who came up with everything. They they are they wrote the whole thing. Yeah. When it has story by, obviously they that means this is what it means. That writer created the story, the yeah. plot, the themes, the characters, that sort of stuff. Screenplay by means that it was the, the that writer wrote the actual script. They were given the story that they either wrote with someone else or they wrote on their own or someone else wrote entirely. Uh, but they were the one who wrote the scripts. They had to take the story and all the characters and make an actual script out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same for for um, television. It's called teleplay. That's a script for um, a, 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 a TV show. So, after reading the credits out, what well, I said before, you know, screenplay by all that sort of stuff for this film, from those credits, you can surmise that Joby Harold not only created the initial story concept, which I said he did at the very beginning of this episode. Yeah. You know, it was between him and James Vanderbilt, and he was the one who eventually was the person in the script they went forward with. So, not only did he create the initial story concept, but he was also the writer that contributed the most to the final screenplay. The writer whose name is listed first in any credit with two or more writers is the one who's contributed the most to that script. Yeah, because... That's the writer whose version of the script is closest to the final product. Would make sense, because he's first, or they're first on the name. Yeah. They're first on the thing. I mean, if if he wrote the story and his name was last in the screenplay credit, that means, obviously, he wrote the script as well, but the script is nothing like his initial... Store like his initial version. Yeah, it changed so much on the way that he's listed last. Um, so and the names that follow are listed in that order of who contributed the most, writing to the least. And obviously, I had to emphasize the difference between ambersand and the word and because Harold worked as a solo writer. Uh, and it's the word and is placed between his name and Matea's name. And when you see the word and, that means a writer or two, who, depending on whose names it's between, uh, that means those particular writers worked independently from each other and are not considered part of a creative team. Yeah. Um, however, if the opposite, if writers work together on a particular project, they will be considered, at least for that project, they don't have to work full-time as a creative team, but for that particular project, those writers were a writing team, hence Ambersand. Uh, so mm. from that, you could learn that not only was Joby Harold, did Joby Harold work on his own, Matea and Peters were considered a writing team, as were the Hober brothers. Yeah. Both duos 
contributed, and because their names are listed last, and we know Harold was the, wrote the initial story and contributed most of the script, you could tell that because he didn't work with Matea and Peters and the Hover Brothers, they're, du- they're both duos contributed certain rewrites to the initial script, with the former team contributing the most out of the two. Yeah. So, out of the five screenwriters, Joby Harold is the original and the most influential. Is the original writer, and he's the most influential on the final script. Mm. I don't know all of his work. I think he's only just a, a writer who's recently worked on so much stuff. But his most notable work is Obi Wan Kenobi, mm. the Star Wars miniseries that came out last year. Now, this is for the Star Wars fans, and also you for educational purposes, and anyone else for educational purposes. The project originally originated. <laughs> These big words. The project originated as a spin-off in the similar vein to Rogue One and Solo, a Star Wars story. And it was written by Hussein Amini. However, following the, the Solo flopping, it lost a lot of money. Future planned spin-offs were cancelled. Uh, but eventually, the script for Obi-Wan was reworked uh, in, in the wake of Disney+. Plus. It was reworked into a six-episode mi- limited series. Hmm. It was a limited series means basically it's planned as one season and if the filmmakers tend to continue the story they can miniseries means that so the difference between miniseries miniseries is a one-off season tv show not going to have any more plans that's it limited series is marketed so that if a a certain creator ever wishes to continue that story with more seasons they can for the foreseeable future so there's no plans at the moment for an Obi-Wan season two, and I hope they don't do it. But at the moment, it is a limited series. Production was supposed to begin um, July 2020, but the series were put on hold in January because Kathleen Kennedy, who's in charge of Lucasfilm, was unsatisfied with the scripts. Because obviously, again, it was a film that was reworked into a TV ser- a six-episode TV yeah. series. So they had to do a lot. They had to rework it. Slightly, she was unhappy with them. Uh, so the goal was for pre-production to begin again about mid 2020, as soon as the rewrites were completed. So eventually, Joby Harold appears, and he was hired to take over not only as a writer from a mini, but he would serve as a f- show's showrunner, which is basically a showrunner is the main writer who's in charge of a show. Mm. They're the one who's running the thing. Yes. Uh, and despite some elements that were conceived by Minnie still being included in the show, enough so that he still receives certain writing credits on particular episodes, it's safe to say that, along with other writers who made significant changes to the story, Joby Harold is the is his product. Mm. It was originally supposed to be Hussein Amini when it was a film, but by the end, it's Joby Harold's show. He's the one who's made he, he's made so much. To change it, that is, is his thing. Yeah. So I think it's, it is fair to say that it was mostly his work. Uh, and if you know me, if you, I don't know if you remember me telling. I don't you, know like, who you are. I don't know. <laughs> you, I, don't, I don't know you. You know when it comes to, when it comes to taste. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes to taste, uh, the my least favorite thing about that show. For many, among any other things, was its writing. Oh, I thought it. <laughs> you had to get that. Every, yeah, no, I, you had I, to I, get that I nearly, I nearly forgot about it. I had to get that. Oh, yeah. in. 
Um, Every episode. That show was stretched out. You could tell it was a film script that was stretched out to be three times longer than it should have been. At the same time, it felt there was... Um, which is similar to the fact that it was stretched out. That feels like the climax of the film that I did mention. I'll get to that bit. It yeah. feels stretched out, doesn't it? Mm. If it was too long for the sake of being too long, there's stuff in it that could be cut. It feels like everything's the climax. Despite f- how much filler is in the show, it just it's not that deep. Weirdly, it's it's, it's longer than the film it's just would have been, that, but it's just not that deep. It's not that deep, despite how much shit could be cut from it. Mm. But I think the biggest problem with it, and I'm gonna, it's, uh, with the writing, I'm just gonna say it, it's, it, it was predictable, and it was formulaic. I knew what was gonna happen. There was nothing new about it. There was nothing groundbreaking about the writing. It was just, it was the safest of safe. I know. And I think, I don't know if you agree with me. That's the same with the writing in Rise of the Beasts. Yeah, I I knew that when they killed this person off. They'd come back, but then they killed this person off. They're dead for good. And it's not like this film... It's not like Bumblebee, where it's very character... Well, I mean, this film's still got great character moments and development, but it's not very... Bumblebee has a clear identity. This, it feels like the most generic of generic. You knew that Unicorn Unicorn was going to get both fragments. You know, yeah, it, it, but it you goes, know he's not going to win. It feels like the most basic screenplay, like how it felt, a plot should fold out. Yeah, like Bumblebee dies, we knew he's going to come back. Mirage dies, we knew he was going to come back. Um, we knew they'd get both pieces, and it would be towards the climax that so they had to make one last stand. Mm. You know, we knew they were going to win in the, in the end. You know, everyone. It just felt like, as much as I still liked the film, I feel like I knew it what was I, I knew what everything was going to happen. I knew as soon as fucking air razor got shot in the air that it was going to do something to her either kill her or turn her against everyone else yeah and then 15 seconds later scourge makes the line we are not losing them and you see and it cuts to her with the whatever he shot on her spreading through her wing yeah and i'm like yep she's gonna turn yeah she's evil and she'd probably die as well which happens which happens both things happened and i knew it was gonna happen yeah so that's one thing about writing it's just it's predictable and formulaic. I don't know about Matea or Peters. I don't think they've done anything else of note. I look, I've tried looking it up on IMDb or on Wikipedia. I couldn't find anything of their previous work. The Hober brothers, Eric and um, John, three notable works f- they've done, they've films they've wrote, that you're like, ah, oh, you can see elements of them if you look for them. Battleship from 2012. Never heard. I remember seeing that film in cinemas. I thought at the time it was all right. Now it's crap. I look back. It feels like a poor man's version of a Michael Bay film. Yeah. And you can see that. Especially since that this film tries to get closer to the Michael Bay films. To draw in those nostalgic fans. Especially in music cues. You know, that's what I was saying earlier. You know, yeah. it feels like they, as much as they wanted it to be a continuation of Bumblebee, they're trying to get those old fans back in. So they skewed towards Bay direction a bit more from... Night. A bit more into the massive action. So they wrote Battleship. They also wrote The Meg from 2018. Just a crappy Jaws. A very B-movie film. Yeah. And a very poor man's version of Jaws. And My Spy, which I don't know about, but I think it was the film where Dave Bautista is a babysitter, but he's also a super spy. I don't really know. So uh, ignoring that film, Battleship and The Meg, it does feel like a poor man's version of the 
previous Transformers films just with that B-movie style to it. Yeah. And I don't think that's down to Cable Jr.'s directing. It's down to the writing. I think directing visually... The writing's the main problem. The yeah. writing's the main problem, yeah. I think the story that they chose doing was, they chose to do was good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think the original story that Harold chose to write about was good. Obviously, it is a Beast Wars adaptation. I'm fine with that. I've never seen the Beast Wars... So having them in live action is my it's, introduction. It's, it's I think was, I was happy with it. And I yeah. think the story is good. I, I, um, I, I, I just think the writing, the way they wrote the film was the worst bit about it. The script is story's good. The story's good. The script's bad. Yeah. Oh, I see on your Although, list. We're towards the end. We're we? towards the end. Don't worry. We're, we're getting there. You know, I can it's s- not going to be that long. Yeah, no, I see the ne- no, I'm just saying I see the next bit and it's, it's the ending of the film. Yeah. It's, it's the oh, part, yeah. Oh. yeah. We're not going to say anything about the ending just yet, but it's a topic of conversation I think both of us in the cinema were like huh no my I was like what I, I remember physically saying like out loud what I knew what it, I knew what it was but I was like huh? I had I didn't fit I knew they were gonna do they were teasing something I just didn't know that there was gonna be that direction this especially big. since it's taken so long for them to get to it yeah anyway uh as well and I did say I, I know it's I literally did say um the story's good I wonder if they should have waited a couple of films to do this particular story, I don't. I think they. Especially don't. since I know we've said before, uh, you know, you could think you could squint really hard and think, okay, so the chronological order of all these films is Bumblebee, Rise of the Beast, Original Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, Dark of the Moon, Age of Extinction, and The Last Night. If you squinted really hard, you could watch all those in a chronological order if you wanted to. That's fine. Yeah. But especially since in The Last Night, Unicron does appear, but. I'm going to spoil this for you, Shmo, mm-hmm. when we do watch it eventually. Yeah. Because we will. Okay. <laughs> um, Unicron is inside Earth. And he's not so much an entity as he is a name given to big metal that's inside the Earth. So he's inside the Earth, which <laughs> does not fit <laughs> at all with how he's depicted in this film. Because he's literally the Galactus of the Transformers series. I tell you what this is like. This is like Iron Man... I like Iron Man setting up with the first character of the MCU. Boom, Infinity War. I'll tell you, that's what it is. That's what it is. Gla- uh, Unicron is in this film. As obviously that's what they tease. Unicron, for me, if it is the final villain you should ever cover in a Transformers fer- series. If you ever want to finish the film series and start new again, that's fine. But if you in this co- in a particular continuity, especially since this is the second film in a new timeline, again. Unicron is an actual entity in this film. He's not Earth, as he is he in the is Bay films. Yeah. Um, and also, Optimus Prime is already on Earth with a load of other characters. Yeah. So, yeah. So, as much as um, I like the story, I think there's certain elements they did too early. I think... I'm glad that they've introduced the uh, Maximals and the Predacons and the Terracons. I think I'm glad with that. But we haven't seen... But I think that's a bit too early. We could have we just haven't. done... We could have done maybe one film between this and Bumblebee and it would have made more organic sense. I think they're rushing it. We haven't even seen Megatron. We haven't even seen Megatron yet. And we he... saw a couple of Decepticons from the previous film when it was the opening sequence. Yeah, that's And the it. flashback scenes. Everything, like, on Cybertron. And I'm like, okay, I can't wait to see those again. We ha- they don't appear in this film. They're probably saving them for the future, which I'm fine for. But I think we could have used with some of those characters in between this and a Beast Wars film. And especially a Beast Wars film that actually includes Unicron, who, in my opinion, if you ever want to do... I already just said this bit, but I think I should reiterate. If you ever want to do a film 
series where with a particular continuity of Transformers, Unicron is your final villain. He is the bigger bad. He's not the main villain. That's arguably Megatron, but he's the bigger entity. He's the final threat. He's he's, he's the dark side. He's the Galactus. He's the he's Thanos. The, he's the Thanos of the. So along the way, you can have a Loki sort of villain like Megatron as appearing multiple times as a villain. Obviously, not to go good in the end, but you need a constant villain to fight. But Unicron is the final threat because he's li- a literal planet eater. He's he the, is he's, Galactus, but as, as a line they said in the tra- as Mirage said in the trailer, so they cut for the, the film. I, I'm he sad. Said, he eats plants, so like way bigger than another planet. Yeah, that was actually pretty good as well. Yeah, it's like it's it, it you know, so having the as a villain in your second film series is. It's, uh, it's, I think it's too early. It's an odd choice. It's an odd choice, isn't it? It's not necessarily a bad thing about this film, but it's a it's personal a, taste sort of thing. Yeah. Not an objective criticism, but more a subjective um, nitpick. Yeah. Anyway, I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything else so far that I can think of that we need to talk about. More. I think this might be the last thing to touch. Um, on. there might be something else. Who knows? Either way, I am glad that obviously we've got the be- the Maximals in it, and with the ending that we're going to discuss in a sec, I I'm intrigued by the direction this version of the I series wonder, is going. I wonder how it's going to continue because we, 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 we didn't really get in, any information other than the big thing at the end. Yeah. Of where the actual Transformers are going. So, the ending. Oh, actually, for beforehand, um, as especially since I, I we were mentioning Unicron's too early, the Maximals maybe slightly too early, um. Rise of the Beast is the first film in a planned trilogy. So, oh, the, trilogy. as far as we know, we've got two more films along the way if they proceed to go forward with them. Mm. Um, they've also had plans to develop a crossover with the G.I. Joe franchise, which, which is another toy line from Hasbro. I guarantee you, none of you will know who, what. Uh, you, I, you will probably have heard of it, and that's I've it. I've heard of it several times, because there's been some films of them. But, uh, but I've never seen the appeal of them. It's just another generic... I, I don't, there's nothing I could get from G.I. Joe other than the fact that it's a generic oh, secret organisation sort of franchise. You know, yeah. they're the G.I. Joe. You know? It's like, oh, S.H.I.E.L.D. So mm. what? You know, there's plenty of versions of, you know, G.I. Joe out there. Yeah. They're just called something different. So G.I. Joe, I've never seen the appeal of. But they've had plans to develop a crossover between G.I. Joe and Transformers. Noah Diaz gets a job. At... Oh, we're jumping ahead. Um, they've, they've, they've had plans to do that for so long. Something they've previously announced before, and they've, been, they've announced it before this film came out. And they've been trying to do it since 2013. Really? In, I think, March, around the time G.I. Joe Retaliation was releasing. And although at the time they said the crossover was not in the immediate plans, they weren't immediately. It was something they wanted to do. It was something they acknowledged that they wanted to do. They intended to do it at some point. The ending of this film, Rise of the Beasts, hints that that crossover is finally happening. Noah goes for another job, and the man who approaches him or he's interviewing knows everything they did in this film. Gives him care for his brother, like medical care. Like he says, we. Can get you the best people in the doctors in the world to look after your brother, which is nice. It's the reward that he deserves after the shit he's gone through and the fact that yeah. his brother's dying. <laughs> but the man also says, "If you ever need a job, just come to us. We'll be ready for you." And um, lo and behold, I thought it was going to be uh, Sector Seven, which is a, 
organization that was used in Bumblebee and is prominent, prominent, prominently used in the Bay films. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a gag in the first two, in the first film, where they're like Sector Seven, and like everyone's like, "Never heard of you." That's because you know, you know, you don't know we exist or something like that. I can't remember. Because it's secret. So I expect, oh. I expected the organization, organization that recruits Noah to be Sector Seven. So when he flips the card over and it has the GI Joe logo and the word GI Joe, and I was like, "What?" Exactly. I mm. I was like, "Oh my god, they're finally doing it." I mean, back in Bay, they actually announced that they were finally planning on doing a crossover. So I don't know if this was a last-minute reshoot sort of thing or if this is something they planned when they were writing Rise of the Way Beast. I don't know. ahead in advance. But, um, yeah, it's officially in development. Yeah. A producer, one, a producer who works on the... Not Michael Bay, but a producer who works mm. on the Transformers films said that... Uh, the begin that beginning with Rise of the Beasts, the two franchises will begin to share continuity, and that um, future Transformers films will progressively include elements of the GI Joe IP, with maybe certain as- actors reprising their roles as characters in the films they've appeared in, mm. prior to the event of a crossover film. Yeah. I think that's their end game. Not Unicron. It's a GI Joe crossover film. Yeah. Now, if you ask me, I don't want it. No, it's just more. It's just more convoluted. Uh, it's more convoluted, and the the writer, the I, from what I've heard, the GI Joe films are trash. I mean, the Michael Bay films were trash, but they had their fans. The GI Joe films, not many people like, and like I said, it's a it seems to be another secret organization sort of thing. But yeah. there's nothing there's nothing I've heard from it that's distinct that makes me go, okay, that's interesting. It's not like oh, it's a secret organization, but all the members are, I don't know... Lizards. Lizards, you know? It's not like they t- they're they tasked to... You know, it's it's very hard to do a secret organisation sort of IP now because everyone's done it a bit you with their own spin. Unique. You have to make it very unique. Unique. Say, if it... Actually, no. T- tell you what. If it was a secret organisation, but it was monsters, if it was like... like even to then, that's stuff like... Hellboy or Creature Commandos, you know, that, that's been done. I mean, yeah. a bit more obscure, but that's still been done. You need to do something interesting with that. You need to be special. And I don't know if I like the idea of super spies mixed with Transformers. I don't, it doesn't suit well. It doesn't suit well. You can acknowledge that they're in the same universe, that's fine, but That'd I don't want a film between them. Because how can you get G.I. Joe characters... Normal human beings involved with alien with robots, giant alien robots that can turn into a Ford Fiesta or yeah, something like that, or a gorilla or whatever. Or just how do you get them to compete in a film? They they will end up being the human characters of the film, and they'll end up doing fuck all action wise. They'll just be mesh at the end. They'll of the just film. be. I don't see the point. I know Paramount has confidence in it, but I don't. I don't particularly want it. it. I'm not. No. No, thanks. No. So, yeah. I think that's everything. That's it. Uh, Yeah, overall, what would you give this uh, a rating for this film? You said an 8 for Bumblebee. What would you give this film? 7.5. 7.5. For me, either a 6.5 or 7. I'm still undecided. I think (sighs) a 6... 
or a is an improvement is, over is a disservice to it. It's an improvement over the four films that came before Bumblebee. So it's better than Revenge of the Fallen, Dark of the Moon, uh, Age of Ultron, and Last Night. It's better than those films. Age of Def- Ultron. Age. Yeah. Age of Extinction and Last Night, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> Sorry, they always... I just, it blends together, there's too many ages. Too, you've too, got Age of Ultron. And there's too you've many got, lasts, apparently. Yeah, you've got Age of Ultron, you've got Age of Extinction, you've got Ice Age, you've got everything. You've got too... There's too many ages, Sean. <laughs> yeah. I love Ice um, Age. I think they're better than... I think this film's better than... Um, definitely better than the four films that came out before Rumblebee. It's just the. I'm always, I'm always between. I think it's probably because again, it's nostalgia, and also I think each film does better, something better than the other. Um, it's between. I'm stuck between breaking this against the original Transformers film. I prefer the character development and the work of uh, Rise of the Beasts and how faithful it is to the IP. At the same time, I, I think the filmmaking of um, the 2007 film, which was directed by Michael Bay, I think that's peak. Between that and the third act, not the whole thing, but the third act of Dark of the Moon, I think it's peak Transformers Michael Bay, uh, like Michael Bay. Yeah. Because the filmmaking for the first one in general is the best one out of the first five, and I think the filmmaking for that is generally good. Aside from. It's very style, style over substance, I think. Yeah. I mean, both of these films are, but I think I prefer the filmmaking over the 2007 over The Rise of the Beasts. CGI is, I would argue, probably, I don't know, maybe better? Mm, probably yeah, just I'd because s- I don't... There's moments in this film, like I said, um, I the camera it. movement doesn't merge with the CGI pretty well. No, there's, there's the, several But the scenes. CGI in 2007 has aged super fucking well. It has, hasn't it? And also, it's just a well-put-together film. Like, the directing... The cinematography, well, maybe not cinematography, because I mean the cinematography is good. I just don't like the the gritty filter they put the over it. The lighting, the lighting feel. You know the certain, you know that certain filter they put over it that brings up the imperfections in everyone's just skin. Just the gritty filter. The, you get that. You everyone's. You see everyone's sweat on their. If it's like a spotlight beaming onto their face, but not every and not anywhere else. Mm. I just um. I don't know. I'm for now. I'm gonna say I prefer Rise of the Beasts over the first Transformers film, and I'll give this one a six point five or seven because it's very close between the first this one and first Transformers. But I think overall, and as a diehard Transformers fan, this is the better one. So it's oh. second best. I'm, for now, I'm gonna say second best. Probably go. Eventual will be my third favorite. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's everything. I'm just going to quickly look through my notes to see if that's everything mentioned. I'm going to quickly say my Did things. we mention pacing? don't think so. Um, just do a quick Because I think that come down, comes down to the writing as well. We're back to the writing thing. It's all right. I think the pacing's off for this film as well. Mm. It's, I'm, that's literally what I was going to say, just pacing's off. I'm gonna, I can't go into detail on it, why I, I think it's off, but I just me, think it's off. For me, I just didn't really care. Uh. Um, I'm going to say this. Hang on. You you just read through your notes. I'm gonna do my bit. Yeah. I was requested by some people in my photography class to give them a quick shout out. Uh, it was a great photography lesson. So shout out to Orla, Alyssa, Savannah, and Emily. Huh. Yeah. Very. I've I think I've talked about everything. The world. I didn't meant the note, note I made about the world building when we were talk, doing that nitpick about humans not know knowing yeah. what's going yeah. on. Huh? 
Like, but it's only because I think this film, again, I, I mentioned, it tries to skew to Bay films. So it's a bit, it has a bit of an identity crisis going on between Bumblebee and Bay films. Because not only the aesthetic, the design of the characters, but also action-wise, it's trying to, and, this, and music-wise, it's trying to pull in those Bay fans. Yeah. That includes me, but even then, I'm not a diehard. I'm not like I'm gonna. I'm not gonna defend these films, apart from the good ones, which even the mm. first ones, are just about good, even though it's got problems. Yeah, yeah, it does have. These problems. films aren't particularly good. Some of them I prefer over others. Some of them I think I could watch if I put them on. I can't stand last night though. Last yeah, no, night, I know. Last I know, night I, I, could go I know that itself. you hate that film. Hmm. Anyway, I think that uh, that uh, yeah, that I'm looking at my notes now, and I think that is everything. I think I've mentioned everything, which I'm proud of, especially since I thought this film would this episode would go on for so long, which it has. It's the same. I think it's just over the same, just a few minutes over the Bumblebee episode. But Bumblebee was only because we had that beginning section where we talked about the updates, and also we got interrupted by Madam. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, I think this film is a bigger, it's bigger scale. There's more stuff to talk about, and also I had to introduce the writing credits, how writing credits work, which I'm glad I did because they could come into uh, play in future when we cover a film. Mm. If a if a certain film has so many writers involved, and you're like, okay, that makes sense, because like I said, it makes sense when you think about it. The similar to Obi Wan Kenobi, this the writing for this film is predictable and formulaic, and the climax stretches out a bit too long. Um, it's got that B movie charm of Belsh of the Meg and the try and it's a poor man's version of Michael Bay. So it makes sense, and I think it's important. And I'm I really I've got to say this. I don't know about you, Smro, but I'm liking this approach when it comes to reviewing stuff. A lot more than we did with Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Because although we do talk, do talk about what we liked and stuff, it's good to look into the past when it comes to making stuff because it shines a, a whole lot more light on pro, what, like your feelings for stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I fi- that is everything. I am glad this is over and done with. Not that I wanted to get over and done with, but I thought this was going to drag along a lot longer than it sh- should have. So we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Whether or not you listen to this episode straight away or not, um, depends if you've seen this film or you don't care about spoilers. It depends. But um, do let us know if you've enjoyed this episode and what you'd like to hear from us babble about in the future. Yeah. Um... If there are any aspects uh, or areas or, of improvement or aspects of the show that you think could be better... Be sure to let us know. You can do that and give ideas for future episodes by messaging me on Instagram at brooksy underscore 322. Brooksy spelled B-R-O-O-K-S-Y. Right. Um, I'm supposed to do my bit on the TikTok here. I am 102% certain that this account's on its deathbed. I still only have the two videos. So I just haven't been able to do the Tell rest you what, of them. Um, should we put it to death? I mean, you can still keep it. Yeah, no, no, no. But if it. ever... If ever you decide, okay, I'm gonna go on Spotify and just quickly scream, like, uh, yeah, scream record and then cut out the audio to put onto, um, yeah. You don't have to follow, but it would be nice if you would follow at Babbling Brooks's on TikTok because we could do little segments of each episode. I know these episodes 
will probably run from now on over an hour long, especially with this new approach. So, and I do like that. I do like babbling for that long. It yeah. means that we get more we get stuff content other over way, and we get to go into depth about stuff. Mm. But we could also, whenever there's a, a babble moment where we just babble about something, we could just put it on TikTok to use an example for yeah. you to share with your friends and your family members to show you what the show's typically like when we yeah, just and babble do, about do, shit. Do make sure to do share you like, this. Do you like the style of how we talk? Do you like our tastes? Do you like us? Uh, do you like us? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just give it yeah, on follow on Just TikTok. give feedback. Uh, make What's sure- the, what is the uh, title? I'm going to try and do this off memory. At Babbling Brooks's, that is B-A-L-L-I-N-B-R-O-O-K-S-E-S. Check your TikTok. So just just check the TikTok to see you've actually got that right because... Did I put... Did I, I might have put babbling with a G. Um, babbling. B-A-B-B-L-I-N-B-R-O-O-K-S-E-S. That's what I said. I think that's what you said. That is yeah. what I said. So, yeah, make sure to follow uh, us on there, on on TikTok, at that thingy. On, on, <laughs> yeah, with that. Uh, if you think any of your... Fr- and uh, going off what we said just a second ago, if you think any of your friends or any family members might be interested in what we have to say, let them know, spread the word. We like doing this. And if you think you know someone who is interested in listening to this, let them know. We're so close to... And I know it's, but this will technically be five episodes. We're so close to uh, a, a hundred plays on all of the episodes we've posted. So, uh, yeah, just make sure you spread the word because, you know... Yeah. You, may, you, might, you might like it. Someone else you might know like it. So mm. do it, or I'll do your mum. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm. Oh, do you know what? I, want, I remember Michael's mum, when I went out, and I was saying, I was like, do you know how many times someone's assumed that I'm autistic? And, she, and then Michael's mum goes... Oh, I thought you were. Oh. And I don't blame her, because some of the shit that comes out of my mouth. Some of the like, stuff that is said. Oh, I'm gonna I'm alienating our fans. No wonder they no one's listening, because they don't mm. want to hear me insult their mums. Yeah. Anyway, this has been Babbling Brooks's. Once again, I'm Charlie. And I'm Sonny. Thanks for listening, and be good people. Bye. Bye.